All right, I think it's safe to assume that all of us here enjoy living in times of peace, but when it comes to studying history, are you more interested in times of peace or times of war? Times of war. Like, and according to who, aren't we always in a con like consecutive yeah. like, time of yeah, war? Yeah, I guess more specifically, are you interested in studying the wars themselves throughout history, or is there a broader depth of history that you're more interested in? I don't know, man. Uh, in modern history, prefer the wars. Mm -hmm. Ancient history, wars and culture. There's so many interesting cultural things from ancient history yeah. across the world. I, I'm Culture and history. I mean, war yeah. is war. It, throughout the ages, it's people killing each other over land or blood or power. I'm more interested in what people have done throughout time to advance civilization rather than tear it down. All I can think of was Romeo and Juliet where it's like, peace. I hate the word. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on classes. I'm Megan, and with me today are James and Brad, and this episode is called Clerics, an affinity in the divinity vicinity. Wow, well done. You nailed That's it. That's not bad. I think go, it's the guys. first time I've heard it done in one go. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even welcome. stumble. You think I'm a professional or something. All right, we previously covered the life, light, and nature domains in our first clerics episode, which started off with a breakdown of the regular class features and level progression. In our second clerics episode, we went over the knowledge, tempest, and trickery domains, as well as the sections in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which encourage players to consider their characters' temples, keepsakes, and secrets. We then focused on the more morally ambiguous domains and looked into the war, death, and grave domains, and went into quite a bit of detail on homebrewing pantheons. And the last time we touched on clerics, we went over the Arcana Domain, Order Domain, and Forge Domain, as well as the optional, optional variants in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. You can find these episodes as well as our other class episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps, or you can just jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on classes that we've built there. This episode of the It's Made Podcast returns with even more clerics, because Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition has more holy men and women than you can shake a sensor at. The panel of Dungeon Masters is going to look into the Peace Domain and the Twilight Domain, as well as some of the details that most people might not think about when it comes to role-playing a cleric. I'm looking forward to finding out more about these subclasses, but kind of like before we get started, I don't know, do you guys find that clerics are required to be holy and godly, or do you think that they would worship something else? I think they would worship something else. I think worship in and of itself and a belief in something doesn't need to be defined as a god. Fair. I think in the world of in world of D, &D where you have defined pantheons though, and the source of the power is divine for clerics, whether or not you define them as gods or how you want to define, you know, the greater deities or bodies in the world of D and D, I feel like the clerics need to draw their power from that. In the same way that paladins draw their power from an oath, right? Something that it, they draw it from. Clerics is explicitly divine. So by divine, do you think that it's... Like, I guess because it depends on the domain that you're choosing when you yes. kind of choose your path to decide whether you're going to be, like, neutral good or, like, actually, like, lawful good or, like, lawful stupid or you could be chaotic evil depending on your domain in sure. my mind. Sure, yeah. absolutely, you could be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's chaotic evil, right? There's gods or deities of yeah. all, dom all yeah. alignments, all areas, all factions, right? Absolutely. In fact, if you go through any of the player, any of the books that give you the subclasses for clerics, you're going to have a definition of who the deities are yeah. that embody the domain. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So you the at the very least you're getting cleric domains. So you have to define what that domain is based off of. Yes, I just see it as that domain doesn't have to come from a deity. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be a god. It can be a concept, essentially. Sure. Like, like construct the belief like a, in belief. the uh, glory of battle, like Athena. Right. Where it's a tactical, yeah. logical battle. Sure. Belief in that, and that is what your religion is. Yeah. War should be done logically. Right. With systematic steps and counter-reactions. Sure. Whereas other people will have the blood and battlefield of war, similar to Ares-type character. Yeah. But not Ares, just the blood and battlefield of war. Fair right. Enough. But whether or not they're worshiping Ares, are they still drawing their power from Ares or Athena, right? Where well, is that, that goes down to the DM and how you build it. It doesn't sure. necessarily need to... Because those yeah. gods are born from concepts themselves. Of course, yeah. So that concept of war bred Athena, bred Ares, and they're pulling from that power to give to others. They're an intermediary at most. All right. Yeah, I kind of well, like that. We're going to get down to like those kinds of details as we go through the episode today. But before we get too deep into pantheons, gods, goddesses, and all that kind of history good stuff, um, I'm going to give everybody a quick rundown and a recap of what a cleric actually is based on the regular PHB, and then we'll kind of like dig into and have some of those fun, great arguments that I'm I know ready. we're going to have today. All right, so <clears throat> here is your refresher. The cleric is a devout spellcasting slash warrior class. I feel like that's a good definition for them. Their magical prowess comes from the devotion or divine right towards their god, for, towards usually a god specifically, or some kind of divine power. So where a lot of other magical classes can learn magic or are born into it, or it's thrust upon them in some way, shape, or form, clerics are imbued and granted their abilities from a higher calling or a power. Similar to a warlock. Uh, yes. Yeah, I always view They're, the same two similar. In my opinion, it's the same deal as just when that soul is collected. Yeah. A warlock gets their soul collected right away, a cleric gets it collected after death. Hmm. They're both making deals. Soul is reaped at some point. Yeah, someone's yes. reaping the soul. Whether you get to enjoy a life with the soul first or not, that's that's another your story. choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do see the same as yeah. similar, but enough difference that I think it. Understandably separate having, classes yeah. for sure, but at the but end of the day, in my opinion, I'm with you on that. Same deal. I'm with you. Fair, fair, fair. From stats wise, they are proficient in light and medium armor, shields, and simple weapons. This is where I say they are technically a warrior. Um, their saving throws are wisdom and charisma, however, and this kind of tracks as they're a wisdom-based caster when it comes to their spellcasting capabilities. Mm -hmm. Um, this carries through to their divine domain, uh, basically, what's a divine domain, you ask? Well, it's your chosen path presented to you by your god or what your belief system ends up being, um, and basically is what imbues your powers and determines your spell list and your channel divinity abilities, which we'll get into a little bit as well. All clerics do start with the divinity abilities of turn dead, and then at level five, you get your destroy undead. Yeah. So the TLDR of that is that you can turn undead, sorry, turn undead is you basically enforce the undead that are within 30 feet of you to make a wisdom saving throw, and if they fail, they are turned. They are now basically frightened of you and have to spend their turn running away, kind of that whole process. Yeah. Once you get destroy undead, basically anyone who fails that save ends up being killed. So I have a weird question for you based on that. Do you feel now that we've gotten into like so many different domains and divinity that it's required that all fucking clerics have this ability? No. Yeah. I mean, I would want to reflavor it for some because maybe you're not undead that you're turning. Yeah. It's right? very specific. So if you like pick a domain like, that like Let's, let's think really... about the grave domain, right? Yeah. Like why is the I grave... think they're the perfect for turn undead. You are dealing with undead. Sure. You're and dealing I... with the dead and something pops out of the grave you're digging. 
Yeah, I can just put but it back. You also might want them out, right? Well, They're, but you think you don't have to turn your turn right. undead. You yeah, can use raise undead, which is on your spell. Absolutely. List. Yeah, and like your classic like life cleric, I can see. Yeah, you do have a connection yes. to life and death. That makes sense to me. But when you're doing other domains, like even in the PHB, like your knowledge domain and other, like why is it required? Yeah. Your arcana cleric. Yeah, I see that, but then you have to pick what particular yeah, monster yeah. that's gonna hurt, and then you, especially with all the player classes out there, yeah. these are gonna affect your teammates too. Yeah, you have to start looking into like as the intelligence casters ones, where oh, you're gonna attack an intelligent monster, so something like a mind flare. Well, could that attack your most intelligent wizards? Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. So it's I think um, Undead keeps it far enough away from almost every player character it, it scenario it, possible. It makes it simple yeah. for balancing reasons. Yeah. I understand why they did it. Flavor wise, though, I'm a little I'm with you on that, Megan. Yeah. It, you know, I'd like to see a little more flavor with them. Yeah. They've already taken your um, channel divinity and made it individual. It'd be nice if they could take your turn or. Well, because you choose your domain at yeah. level one. It's yes. not like you really... It's like a ranger choosing their favorite enemy, right? Yeah. yeah. And like, and then all of a sudden you have all these great abilities that really suit the background and the character you've built. And then all of a sudden, oh, but by the way, I can also turn undead. Yeah. Just because of things and yeah. reasons. Well... Like, I would understand if you didn't get to pick your domain to like level three or level five, like some other classes. But because you get it right away, it seems, in my mind, mundane. Because mm -hmm. everything else about your cleric is chosen and guided by the domain that they choose. Yeah. Like, literally everything that they share stops there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I know it feels like a touch point for all clerics because there's so many varieties of clerics. Yeah. And yeah, gives everyone a, a I mean, unique sakes, point where you're... For three of yeah. clerics right now. <laughs> and I don't think we're done. Oh, uh, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> Never will be. No. If I get my way. <laughs> yeah. Clerics be fucked, man. All right. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get into a couple of things that um, really make clerics clerics. And as I mentioned, there are certain things that we don't necessarily always take into account as DMs or as players that really uh, imbue what makes a cleric a cleric. Um, and sometimes they get forgotten. Sometimes they get lost. And the first one in my mind, when I first think of a fucking cleric, I think of their holy symbol. Mm hmm. So a lot of the times, so basically just to base, run it down. So classically, this is a symbol or representation of your god or your belief system classically carved into your shield or worn as a trinket that acts as your magical channeling device. Mm -hmm. So technically, and some DMs are very strict about the fact that this has to be worn, held, or it, it, like it has to be attached to you in some way that you can actually harness the power of your god. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like this is something that is constantly forgotten about. <clears throat> Like spell components. Very much. So or, I feel like this is the equivalent of a spell component bag yeah, for yeah. Like a wizard. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the holy, like, cause like, don't get me wrong. The first thing you're going to do is slap it on your armor chest. I just, that's part of the reason too, right? If it's a necklace worn or something on your shield, you almost always have it anyways. So you don't think about it. So in the moments when you don't have it, yeah, you don't, you forget that you don't have it because you always have it. Absolutely. Yeah. Which I think it also, if your DM remembers, makes some awesome role play. Yeah. I do remember like one time I was playing a cleric and I had to have my holy symbol on me and then the, it was on, I did the, the classic, oh, it's on my piece of armor. Mm -hmm. And then I upgraded my armor. Mm. And then I had to go through the process of finding somebody that would rip the symbol yeah. off and like put, a new put it on. on. So I was without my holy symbol yeah. yep. because I wanted the armor bonus. Right. But I was without my holy symbol. Like it was that so weird. So you couldn't cast any of cleric spells. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I kind of had to like figure out. Yeah. It was one of those weird. Anyways, what I would like to do is I want to roll dice. All right. I'll ask you a question here. 13. 12. 
Nine. All right, so James, you're first. Uh, what do you think would be a unique way to display your holy symbol as a cleric? Brand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right on their face. On their face. Nice. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Point. Plain and simple shows the devotion for your god or your yep. deity or whatever. That's very you. That you're willing to throw mm -hmm. your body into agonizing pain to show them you are devoted. Yeah. That does sound very you. It does. Very yes, that's, yeah. I enjoy that very on brand. Yeah. For me, I was going to say tattoos. I'm a, I'm a big tattoo person. Everybody yep. knows. I've got yeah. a million tattoos all over my body already. Um, and every tattoo I decide represents something about my personality or what have you. I am a person that does that. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to a cleric, I would love to see like one of those. You know how like they've got the tattooed monks and stuff yep. like that? Like I would love to see that on a cleric. That like every um, holy battle they've ever won or whatever, they've got like this imbued... Like sure. on, yeah. on their body, right? And then they would have to go through the fact, oh, just imagine them getting captured and then they have to like, they just carve their skin out to get rid of their holy symbol. Right. Yeah. Or a fallen cleric that all of a sudden has scars all over his body because he was removing the holy symbol. Yeah. Would be a really cool character mm. to build, I think. Very cool. Right? Yeah. What about you, Brad? I pictured a birthmark. Oh, cute. Right? So somebody who is set apart from birth by their deity or by their domain. Yeah. Right? They were born into it. Or groomed into it. Or groomed, yeah. You, you exactly. really adopted the darkness, but I was exactly. born to it. <laughs> right? Because we, we picture a lot of clerics as kind of either adopting the faith at some point or having a major life event. but Or choosing it. Or, or choosing just, it. Yeah. But if you're born into it, like maybe you're the chosen, because of this birthmark that you have, you're actually considered to be the chosen one of your domain. Right? What player that. character doesn't want to be the chosen one for their domain? See, as a DM... I would do as soon as that character oh, steps, like, on the straight and narrow path yep. they have to be on. If they oh, absolutely. put a toe over, they lose all their power. Absolutely. I, I don't care what level they are. I don't care where they yeah. are. Because the god chose them, I'll give them extra yep. power at the beginning of the game because mm -hmm. they are the chosen sure. one. But as soon as they step off, they lose everything. Yep. And the birthmark disappears. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I love all of that. back. Yeah. Like, when you pick something like that, it gives so much more richness and depth to a character and often having things taken away like that or having to be forced into this position. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know. I, the players I've all played with have always played their characters so far from their backstory and just, this is what I feel like doing in the moment. Yeah. So to have that as a DM to say, hold on a second, like, is it worth it? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love it. Or the fact that it's like a tattoo that has like, in my mind, I'm thinking like three strikes. Yep. And it mm -hmm. just like slowly fades. Mm, and then yeah. eventually once all like three parts or like yep. five parts or whatever they choose, then that's when you lose your abilities. Yeah. I right? like it. That's Would really they cool. be able to sacrifice parts for additional power in the moment? <laughs> talk to the warlock. <laughs> <laughs> to the same people. More specifically talk to the warlock's it's, it's, patron. It's basically the guy's neighbor. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> same god, different. Hey different Dave, can I, borrow your, can I borrow your guy for a second? I need something. <laughs> oh, my Lanta. All right, the next thing that comes to mind immediately if I think of clerics is the use of gods. Yep. So something to consider and remember is that in D&D, &D, there are many different planes and hundreds of gods to use at this point. So it is usually definitely up to your DM's discretion or just the kind of world that you're in that will help you decide what kind of direction to go and what gods are available to you. Mm -hmm. Don't do what I did where I just made up a god and threw it at Adam. <laughs> and then he had to read Adam's <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I didn't think gods were going to be used in the game, and then for some reason they were like the focal. Oh, point so of you were new. You gave Adam a so god. You were new. I did. I was very new. It was my that, first that was your fault. It was my first campaign with Adam, and uh, yeah, that I gave was your him fault. A, yeah. Luckily enough, I did give him like a. I what did I pick? I picked Mimir, which is a real okay. god. Okay. Yeah. So like he just pulled from that. Yeah. So it was it was a simple fix. 
but I did not technically pick a one of his deities. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, and it was just like Megan. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. If you're playing in homebrew, talk to your DM for your deity. Make Absolutely. sure it's on the list. Right. So in my mind, also prayer is something that comes right along with that. And something I wanted to talk about, with kind of with this, is that it may look different in D and D than it does in the conventional, like Westernized religious aspects of what prayer looks like. Right. For instance, a cleric may worship many gods and utilize prayer from one god to another depending on their needs. So like, for an example, like let's say they're praying to the god of war for luck in a battle to come, or praying to the goddess of fertility to hence luck on conception for someone in the party, or whether or not you you find a cleric in a town and that's their job is to bless families, mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff, right? Or even to the goddess of death to ensure safe passage from someone who's passed, yep. right? So the gods tend to walk plainly on the earth sometimes, depending on what plane you're playing in. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some cases, they're actually present yeah. in the lands, yeah. shall mm-hmm. we say. So taking those things into consideration, when we think of the myth- mythology standpoint, do we think that D&D gods are actually true gods, or do we think that they're just deities that worship and imbue power? Like, what do we think about that? I think they're deities. Yeah. I don't think they're true gods. No? No. Fair. Do you think that some are gods, some are deities, or do you feel like very strict? I think some are approaching the realm of godhood, but I don't think any have achieved it. Fair. Fair. Something that Adam did really great as a DM, because now I've learned that he loves gods in games, was he did do a very good chart of what gods were in what order (laughs) for us based on the planes. So that when we were dealing with and interacting with different folks, we kind of knew what level of god we were dealing Mm -hmm. with. But I do agree. I don't think that all things that are considered god, especially when you're thinking of a cleric and what they are worshipping, not necessarily always a god. Mm -hmm. It might be a deity. It might be like, um, like one of their followers. That you're now worshiping because you look at them like they are godly because they are like the number one in your clan or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a lot of different tiers when it comes to this. Like if you even think of westernized religions, of course, there are different tiers. You have your acolytes, you have your whatever, right? So you have your priests, you have your all these things. Mm -hmm. So And I feel like everybody's going to worship at the different levels. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially in D anD D, everything's yeah. in our hierarchy, somewhere, shape, or form. Someone's above everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So it just makes sense. What about you, Brad? I think you guys have kind of captured my thoughts on it fairly well. The only thing I would add to that is, I think there probably is a god or a couple of gods mm-hmm. at the, but we just don't know who they are. And especially if I'm making homebrew, I'm going to be setting a god or two yeah. who are overall, and they probably don't even care. They might not even know what's happening on this plane. But, th- but uh, yeah. they exist, right? At most, I would see it that way that, like, as we are to an ant colony, yeah. the, <laughs> what we call gods in D&D yes. that we're saying are deities, yeah. it's essentially, they're, we're the ants to them. I would and go, then there's a capital I would go intermittent, god Yes, I would even go intermittent them. to that, where there's kind of the person who's taking care of the ant colony who actually cares about, the, like, the ant farm. They've got a little ant farm on their table, and they actually yeah. care about the well-being of the hives, and there's a few of them who are fighting over... You know, factions in that hive and fighting for them. And then above them, right? Yeah, absolutely. This tiered system. And it goes all the way from people who care about you to people who don't even know you exist to people who don't even know that the people who care about you exist. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine like something happening where you're a cleric worshiping a god. That god has no idea you exist because you're actually taking the power from their acolyte. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it would be such an interesting piece to actually meet your god and they're like, I don't know who the fuck you are. Yeah. Who are you? Never heard of you. I have been taking power from you for years. Like, I'm sorry. Pulls out a big list. Starts flicking through it. No. No. Name's not on the list. I don't know who you're taking power from, but it ain't me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
No, I absolutely love that idea. Yeah, let me go find the warlock again. All right, that being said, so do we have any words of wisdom for DMs or players about how to role play with a cleric who's always praying without it getting stale? Your method of prayer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, like, yes, you can kneel down, put your hands together and say a few Hail Marys. Or, as we were talking about, like a war cleric, your praying may be in battle. Yeah. You only pray mm -hmm. by the actions of fighting, by the actions of killing another. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, it's been a long time since I've had a duel. So yeah. I haven't really so instead of the barbarian starting the fight in the pub, it's the war cleric because they haven't, quote unquote, prayed in a week. Yeah. yeah. So they start their fight to get that blood for their god. Yeah. Blood for the blood god. I yes. Skull for the skull throne. <laughs> exactly. My Atlanta. <laughs> Um, I've played clerics before and I do recommend, uh, to your point that your prayer will look different. Okay. Mm -hmm. I always go the artistic route. Mm -hmm. So I've had clerics that will do, um, morning prayer, but it's in the form of song. Mm -hmm. So every morning everybody wakes up to the music of the cleric singing yeah. basically instead of your trumpet and horn or what have you. Mm -hmm. And then anytime they're praying, they do sing kind of thing. So I've always been, had been required to bring music yes right to like give the mood of what the prayer I definitely like. used that before with a party of all clerics and we did gregorian chants <laughs> nice <laughs> our dm it. hated it because oh. we didn't tell it beforehand we just pulled out a oh, sand no. system and just played it really loud oh i fucking oh, love no. it we're like we're in the middle of the dungeon we start chanting oh. <laughs> i did i did one that was and this was in my l5r campaign where she was not necessarily a cleric or a holy person, but her way of calming herself was through dance. Mm -hmm. And um, the her, she was the Ojimbo to a, an actual like cleric kind of guy who his action was prayer. So they had a constant process of scene where he would sit in prayer and she would dance around him. And there was one time where we had a full on scene where there was a burning building with undead fucking maho shit. And he sat down to pray and my character just danced around him. And I was like, this is the weirdest scene we've yeah, ever played that's out. That's fantastic. So, but yeah, and did so, the deities come to your aid? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100% they do. Always. That's always. Always. What about you, Brad? So from a DM point of view, if you have a player who's constantly praying, one, if you can, put some midweek if the rest of the people are just zoning out. Two, gods don't always answer prayers. Deities don't always answer prayers. So those prayers can go unanswered. Yeah. And they may have to escalate. Maybe it's just a shout out at first and you realize, oh, maybe I got to like do some sort of sacrificial, be it maybe I have to sacrifice an animal. Maybe I have to sacrifice something that's important to me and burn it or I have to do some other ritual, right? Yeah. I mean, human history is full of different religious rituals yeah. in order to get the attention of gods, yeah. right? It could be self-flagellation. It could be a oath of silence. Right? It could be, there's a number of ways that you could do that. And perhaps your player has gotten so comfortable and so used to just being able to show out a prayer. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, those prayers aren't as effective as they used to be. And they've got to step it up, step it up, step it up. And the bigger the request, maybe the, the bigger the sacrifice is that they have to make. Yeah. No, I think we've done a lot of ones where, um, <clears throat> To your point where the prayer doesn't, sometimes doesn't, they don't answer. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say like maybe out of the many times I've prayed and or even used the spell yeah. to get like hear from my yeah. deity, mm -hmm. never fucking gotten it. Yeah. I've gotten yeah. it once. Woo! And it was probably one of the best times to ever get it. Oh, I love that. It was not our all cleric campaign and we had just finished fighting a war. Mm -hmm. There was, we killed enough enemies to go from level 15 to level 20. Oh, yeah. good God. Okay. Yeah. And then another army shows up. Our DM was trying to kill us. Mm -hmm. So we use our talk to our God to ask for a favor. Our favor was simple. Yep. It was just let us pretend we had a long rest so we can level up. 
And our DM's like, okay, that's not going to work. And it worked. Yeah. We had a 10% chance and it worked. I love that. He was nice. so mad. Because mm-hmm. we just started opening the ground around his army. We're like, yeah, no, it's over. Yeah. yeah. We've that's won. Awesome. We have our spell slots back. Yeah, we have our spell yeah. slots back and, and we're level 20. And we got ninth level spells. Boom. Oh all done. God. And we're like, yeah. we won't even use the other channel divinities. Don't even need them. We don't need them. No. We don't need 100% god help. We're that's just awesome. going to fuck shit up. Yeah. Fucking yeah. love it. That said, if you do have a player who is a cleric, let them at least get talk to somebody. Yeah. And, like maybe or the upper maybe the upper tiers aren't gonna respond, but there's gotta be somebody who they're drawing their power from that's good. Because yeah. if you're you playing a cleric and you never hear from your god, don't necessarily like, need to hear back in no, the way I'm thinking. Not of it. Words, like but, um so they pray to their god, they haven't heard. Yeah. But when they go to the next town, the priest of the town comes out of the church yep. and gives them a bit of food. Absolutely. And yeah, that's exactly. The same thing. Doesn't add more to it. Just gives them a bit of food because yeah. their god said but, they were coming through. I was going to say, and for, but, for, but yes. for a cleric, that would be hearing from your god, depending on but the relationship But this is more for right? the player to figure out sure, hearing from absolutely. their god. It's not a, here, your god said, here's some food. Yeah. And that's why you don't have the preacher say anything. You just have mm-hmm. them give something and walk away. That's nice it. Moment. I dig it. Very cute. All right, so talking about the, co- the concept of prayer, we're going to add a little bit to this here. Because sometimes we did speak to that you can't communicate or connect with your deity. So in a campaign, this can, or you do. So let's talk about a couple more details about what it's like and what that actually looks like for characters being able to communicate with their deities. Because what we're talking about right now is that they the easiest way is through words, through prayer, or through visions, or through dreams. Like that seems sure. to be the most common thing that we mm-hmm. utilize. Mm-hmm. And sometimes omens, yep. shall yep. we say. They might not be easily recognizable that that's what's coming from your god, unless you're a DM who's like, your god has said, you yeah. don't want to fucking do this, don't be mm-hmm. an idiot. So that being said, besides a divine message in a dream, what is an interesting way to convey a god's message to a player character? So you kind of already brought up one, but are there any other creative ways you guys think? As you said, omens are really good. Like you can look at our current religions, like mm-hmm. the burning bush, an angel descending that sends people into madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stuff like that. And you could like uh, the, the concept of an angel sending people to madness that the god doesn't know their power mm-hmm. on the mortal mind. So they send something and they realize they hurt your whole party. So instead of actually helping you what they were intending to do, they just heal you guys up and get the hell out of there. Yep. So your god showed up. It was going to help you, but it fucked up. Yep. So was that your god to that cleric? Or was that the warlock's patron? Mm. Who showed up? Now you have those two arguing over. And if you're playing with sanity. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like the idea of like what you were mentioning about how walking up to a church and the priest comes Mm. out with a welcoming gift. But that church is a different god. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like that would be a very different weird thing. It's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. is that my god communicating through another god? Especially if it's a church that is antagonistic mm. to yours. Yeah. And like being, like, and if they would recognize yeah. that or take that moment to, to absorb that, yeah. Yeah. That, that that would happen. I think that's really cool. Other things I thought of was because I'm big on tattoos. I thought the idea that the tattoos will sometimes come from instead of being visions, you'll get tattoos that you'll wake up and suddenly there'll be a new tattoo on your body. Okay, that'd be cool. And then you have to decipher or figure out what it means. Like, it's just a symbol, or it might be like, like it might even look like the shape of a city mm-hmm. they're supposed yeah. to go to. It's or... not going to be the scrolling text from the intro of Star No, Wars. no, no. It'll be like, it'll be like Where's my car oh, yeah. text on his shoulders yeah. so he can't read it himself? <laughs> or it'll have like a... No regrets. Yeah, or like you prayed to God to find out what direction to go, and you wake up and you have just like a compass with like a north on it. A broken compass, yeah. yeah. Like, I just think that would be really, really neat. And then yeah. I think like after like... Once that's been solved or you've 
acted on what that message was, mm -hmm. the tattoo fades away. Mm -hmm. So like you go north and you're on the right track, yeah. then the tattoo starts to fade and you know you're on the right way. Yeah. yeah. That was what I was kind of considering. I like the fact that you have it disappearing there too because you're not going to get led right to the point. You're just going to get pointed in the right direction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if we you're not going in the right direction that you asked, it's going to stay mm -hmm. there until you go the right direction. Yeah, yeah. until you turn around. And, and that's right. where you get those permanent weird tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's like, yeah, and they're like, yeah, that was the time I asked my God for something and I just said yeah, No clue yeah. what it was. No thanks. Just showed Screwed up. that one up. Another yeah. interesting one I just thought of that a way that you can know your God response, responded is that they take 10% of your value. Oh, they tithe the church for ten percent of your earnings. An unwilling tithe or an un a willing tithe because yeah. you asked your God for help, sure, but not he's directly taking offered. his compensation for yeah. that help. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, no, I like the idea of using prophets and parables and things like that. Right, somebody who's going to come to your party, speak a prophetic word, not necessarily say they're from the deity, just come and tell you this thing, and you either have to decide whether they're crazy, whether they're somebody who's been sent by an opposing deity to try and send you off track. Or if it is from your deity, based on what they said. Mm -hmm. And there's a good chance that even the, if the word is from your deity, it won't line up with what you think it is. And the person telling you doesn't know. No, exactly. They, they're only giving a message. They don't yeah. know the source. They don't know. Yeah, they just know they need to say this and, thing at this time. And they're going to speak in yeah. ways of parables, right? Stories, or yeah. it's going to be broken. So it's not going to be obvious. It's going to be a puzzle that you're going to have to figure out. Hi, everyone. It's me, Megan. And I've infiltrated the guild house with a very good friend of the podcast, Casey. That's me. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> That's you. Uh, we want to let you know about a giant summer special that we're doing right here on the It's a Mimic channel. And we're super excited about it. We're going to chill out during the peak of summer with some wine, a microphone, and a special kind of monster that the regular podcast has never addressed before. And I feel like they're making us do it because... Because it's us, and we'll make it great. We're gonna yeah. make it good. We're gonna make it good. It's yeah. gonna be big, bold, and absolutely ridiculous, and probably slightly inappropriate as we continue to drink. Absolutely, <laughs> we will be providing pairings of wine, so please follow along and enjoy. So join us every Thursday for the next seven weeks and uncork a bottle of your favorite vintage. Because D and D is best when you're relaxed, laughing, and enjoying some fantasy shenanigans with friends. And wine. And wine. And wine. Cheers, my guy. All right, so we do have two subclasses to cover today, as I mentioned. So two of you folks, roll off and see who gets to go first. That's a four for me. Five. You win oh, with a five. five. Well five. done. All right, James. Get into first. it. first? What do you got? Okay, I've got the Twilight Domain yep. from Tasha's. So direct quote from the book by Tasha. I can't believe I'm writing this, but I think I could get behind a faith focused on mood lighting and evening wear. I can see <laughs> why Adam gave this one to you. Right? Mood lighting. It's aesthetic. <laughs> I like it. I actually really love that quote. It sounds pretty. So it's similar to all the new cleric domains coming out. They have their own unique flavor to them, kind of just making them a bit special. The If you go see the art from Matasha's, mm -hmm. is actually some of the cooler art. Yeah. Mm. So with the Twilight Domain, you um, example deities that are in the book. From Eberron, you get Boreal. Celestian from Greyhawk, Dorar, Dolorar, Dolorar, yeah, sure, Dolorar from Eberron, Helm from the Forgotten Realms, and there's several more. So the Twilight Domain spells for the spell list for the clerics. At first level, you get Fairy Fire and Sleep. Third level, Moonbeam and Sea Invisibility. 
Fifth level, Aura of Vitality and Lehman's Tiny Hut. Seventh level, Aura of Life and Greater Invisibility. And ninth level, Circle of Power and Mislead. Okay. Line up, mostly. Yeah. For the most say. part, they seem what Twilight would entail. Yeah. The Circle of Healing was kind of the one that stood out as being a little... I, I, I'm not going to say it yeah. shouldn't be there, but... I think it's taking the idea of the rest and relaxation you get going from the work day to the evening. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the idea behind it at the very least. So you get bonus proficiencies with martial weapons and heavy armor, which is quite nice. Heavy armor? Heavy armor. Heavy, yeah. Dope. Right? So some a few of the abilities for this class are actually, or the subclass, are actually really good. So you get the Eyes of the Night, which gives you dark vision out to 300 feet. Okay. And you can cast that on the number of people equal to your wisdom modifier, minimum one, that are within 10 feet of you. And you can share that dark vision for one hour. And you can't do this again until you take a long rest or spend a spell slot on it of any level. Oh, so you can build a spell slot yeah. to keep it going. It's very handy. We have a yeah. Twilight Cleric at our party right now, no. and it's yeah. the most handy thing. Do they have. have to stay within 10 feet of you to keep no. it active? they just need okay. to be within, within the casting, and then they can move? And then they can go off and Perfect. do it. Perfect. But the fact you can recast it with any level spell yeah, slot that's is super cool. powerful. Mm-hmm. Especially for up to your wisdom modifier, average cleric three to four. At least, yeah. So your whole party plus an extra. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's been a hoot. Yeah, I imagine. Thanks, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next ability you get is Vigilant Blessing. You give advantage to one other person you touch, including your up to, could be yourself as well, mm-hmm. on it, um, initiative. So, oh, all right. Nothing super special. It needs to be planned out for it to be used yeah, wisely. But still not a bad thing, especially if you're just giving it to yourself. Is that on demand? Yeah, there's no limiting factor. It's just once per combat. Nice. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. So the second level, you get Twilight Sanctuary, which you can apply for within a 30-foot radius, so 60-foot diameter. You can apply this for up to one minute until, or until you're incapacitated or dead. Whenever a creature, including you, ends its turn in this sphere that you create, it grants one of these two abilities, either temporary hit points of 1d6 plus your cleric level, or it ends one effect causing charm or frightened. Okay. So pretty handy, especially that d6 for earlier levels and that charmed and frightened, that's pretty good for late levels. And that's your channel divinity, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's part of your channel divinity. So then you get steps of night at 6th level. So as a bonus action, when you're in dim light or darkness, you can magically give yourself a flying speed equal to your walking speed for one minute. You can use this a number of times equal to your proficiency modifier, and you regain it after a long rest. Nice. So, so four times a day, basically. Yeah, four you times can, a day, you can fly for a minute. Yeah. Which is and increasing super if you level handy. Up, that's and in dim light cool. and darkness. Yeah. Which sounds a bit like it it's a gonna, limiter it's gonna help you in dungeons right cross that pit trap but or... you need to be in dim light or darkness so throwing a large hat over your head to block most of the light or a blanket to make yourself in darkness you can now fly hmm well flying I like blanket the idea cast for the ghost the giant like Just giant sombrero blocking <laughs> all light from falling on you and you're now in dim light I and now so. you can fly <laughs> That's how I would try to push it at the very <laughs> least. As a DM, though, I'd be like, you Yeah, know no. What? DM, I'd give but it to them. I, yeah. I, you know what? If they thought that hard yeah, about it. If they it, thought yeah. that hard and bought, went out of the way to buy that hat in game, I would give it to You'd them. You'd be like, I would really like a parasail as, like a, <laughs> yeah. as an object. And the DM's like, Why? He's like, I just want it. Just want it. First day of game, we're like, Oh. And all, yeah. and all your other players are going to be looking at you thinking, This guy's definitely a vampire, right? Kind of yeah, exactly. Definitely a vampire. And then you'll just start floating down yeah. somewhere. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Yeah. 
Fucking love it. You get Divine Strike at 8th level, so 1d8 radiant damage, and at 14th it goes up to 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Twilight Shroud at 17th level, so it gives you and your allies half cover while you're inside the unique area. That's super useful. Super useful. Super powerful. I mean, a lot of people don't play enough with cover. I was going to say, like, I don't think I've ever really played in a campaign but, where, like, half if, cover and cover were... But if you're using this ability, it's definitely going to come yeah. up, right? I guess so. And boom, there's plus, two, down, there's plus two to your yeah. AC automatically for everybody in that area. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Right? That's, that's yeah. not nothing. I guess. Adam's one yeah. of the few DMs I've played that's cared about cover. Yeah. But, like, how often do you are you, like, fighting an army with bows and arrows? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, a lot of the times you have your big, big bad that you can't stay in your cover for to be able to hit. Exactly. It'll help your backline. Yeah, I guess so. But, like, right? again, like, how yeah. large is your team that you're going to have a backline of archers and the rest of you running forward? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's very, in my mind, it's very specific. It is level 17, though. Yeah. So it is for the scenario where you are pulling an army against the big bad. I guess. I don't know. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced of it either. Yeah. But and that's your level 17. That's your level. That's, that's, your, capstone. that's your capstone. So it's nothing special for capstone, yeah. but for the most part, clerics I believe are kind of lame at capstone. They are. That's true. But they're fairly powered throughout yeah. till there. Yeah, they're very like front loaded. Very yeah. front loaded on yeah. the clerics. Absolutely. I mean, you get your domain at level one. You get a majority of your abilities or you know cleric special abilities by second level. Yeah. Like. And then your next one comes at six. So you take a six level dip or a two level dip and you've got a good... Yeah, exactly. Love that. All right, let's roll some dice. Twelve. Well, not one. Five. I I have to answer my own questions. I love this. Go for it. All right, so basically I kind of want to ask you guys' thoughts on like uh, what stats or race or background or something that you feel clearly synergizes well with this build. Uh, For me, I would really love just to pick any kind of race or class that can't fly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. give them the ability to fly. Yeah. I love that. However, I do also like the idea of picking a character that can fly, and but then when Shrouder can now fly an extra distance. Do you feel like, would it add on top? Like if you chose a... Actually, rules is written, no. I don't know. I feel like out of combat, I would allow it to happen. Out of combat, I would, for sure. Because yeah. it, it says it adds, gives you a flight speed equal to your walking speed. Yeah. So it's not saying it replaces a current flight speed, but it doesn't say it adds to it. But out of combat, I'd give it to them. Yeah, I feel like yeah. that. In combat, give me a good argument the session before, and maybe. Yeah. Yeah, rules is written. I just, I don't think I could allow it. <laughs> I think it would drive me nuts. Flight speed is already the bane of all DMs when your players have it. Like, you have to plan specifically around that now. No weapons. Yeah, I, you do, but you just have to specific- Pull it out of the sky. You have to specifically plan around yeah. it. Why not just take a tabaxi and now you've got a 40-foot fly speed? Like, if that's what yeah. you want. But, I mean, at the same time, like, if I, if you were to be like, oh, my God, I would multi-class this into a monk. Yeah, I was just thinking the same oh thing. Oh, my God. You have so much fly speed. There's some haste on you before you get your fly click kickoff. Yeah. Uh, answers is mine. Yeah. Okay. Here's James. What's, what, what, what you got? Kalistar. Yeah? Yeah. Ooh, I like it. I feel Ooh. like it fits in the theme of Twilight perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with the non-flightless bird getting a fly speed, because I find that hilarious, too. I believe we talked about that with the hey, Kuatoa last fly, one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, but out of the non-flying ones, I would do Kalashar. Okay. Similar, I'm going Kenku. Okay, yeah. I love the idea of... Like this crow raven like character. They can't fly, right? They don't mm-hmm. have a fly speed. So now you can finally have your flying kanku. Mm-hmm. But two, 
like you're going crow or raven. You've got the blackness of the character, the darkness, the twilight of the character built in. Yeah. You're going, it, I just find the flavor of it is really in line. And then also the mimicry, right? Mm-hmm. About that time of twilight, you start to hear the birds chirping, right? As they're selling down for the night, you hear some strange sounds. Here's your kenku playing into that, right? Throwing these strange sounds yeah. out, these echoes out. I also like that weird flavor of like, yes, they are a flightless bird. And, but like, because you worship this God, it's like, I will give, give you the ability. To exactly. Yeah. And so then now you have like a clan of probably kenkus that are worshiping. Oh, absolutely. I would, they would come from a whole temple of just yeah. kenku. So now you just have a bunch of kenkus wearing sombreros. So they <laughs> <fly>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question that I kind of want to ask you guys is in our opinions, what are the strengths of the class when it comes to being able to role play this subclass? I like it because you can play either go super light and super positive or you can go the super dark and super like darkness side mm-hmm. of it or actually play straight and narrow down the center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it can be, I feel like I would want to play one that had like a weird personality split where during the day they were one way, like during dawn they were, they yeah. acted mm-hmm. one way and then during twilight they acted one way. And then because they're technically called twilight domain, mm-hmm. they can only pray at twilight. Yeah. I think would be a very fun way to flavor role-playing this class. Mm -hmm. Again, we talked about ways to introduce different ways of prayer. That's one way I would introduce prayer for this one. I would give them, I'd also give them the ability to know when the sun is setting and the sun is rising no matter where they are. Absolutely. So they'll be in the deepest of the deep dungeon and they're like, oh, sun setting guys, give me five. Yeah. Yeah. And they can sit down and have their prayer. Yeah. So I was just like, should we leave the cave? Like, are we leaving the cave now? It's like, oh, we shouldn't. Let's wait for more. How long have we been here? Oh, three (laughs) hours? No, we've only been here six. It's two more hours. Hours for sundown. It's been six hours, and I will let you know when it's nighttime. Yeah, I'll mm-hmm. let you know when it's time to go. Someone's like, it's lunchtime, and you're like, no, it's 9 a.m. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Come on. Do better. Get it together. <laughs> but they're going to be very smug about it, too. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. What else do you have, James? Uh, for me, just a very vapid personality. Like, they just float mm-hmm. through the world doing their own kind They don't fly, they float. They float. Yeah, float. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Um, for me, I would want to play, right, Twilight is this time between day and night. So I would, if we're going to set it, say, in the Forgotten Realms, you have Lathander, who's the god of the day or of light. Yeah. Right? And you have Lolf, the god of night. Right? So having this, they aren't necessarily to either deity, but both, and trying to draw the best aspects or the most beneficial aspects for them in the moment from whichever deity they need, right? You would play it true neutral. Absolutely yeah. true yeah. neutral. Yeah. Interesting. And it would be very much, they would actually be almost like how people try and play a warlock to draw power from a a patron and try and put them against each other. Mm -hmm. I would be doing that with these deities, right? Which one of you deities wants to be the one that I worship and the one whose name I prophesize? I would do it the other way. Which one of you wants me to not bug you? Yeah, there you go. There's the other option. I will piss you (laughs) off until you give me the power. Or he can give me the power and I can piss him off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Play them against each play, other. Absolutely play them against each other. That's the way I would want to be doing Every it. Every five minutes, God, 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 God. Oh, my God. Here, take what you need. Go bug him. Okay, thanks. Get over here. Yeah, I fucking hate you. That's would, awesome. As a DM, that'd be so fucking annoying. Yeah. Like, oh. You could really play with that. Like, as a DM. I would do it in messaging, too, to my DM. Oh, yeah. So one god would be a text message, and the other would be like a Facebook or a Discord mm-hmm. message. Yeah. So I can just harass them. Oh, my yeah. God. Like, that's a table of DMs, and we're like, how best can we harass each other? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, well, the man. game itself it's is... the fun of It's the meta game. is really why we do it, isn't it? Yeah. Fair. This is why we play. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. That's it. Brad. 
All right. for us? I am bringing you today the Peace Domain Cleric. Peace. I hate the word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so <Sounds> boring. <laughs> How boring it is to not, be peaceful. Not as boring as you think. Let's get into it. All right. Uh, so the quote from Tasha's is, Have these peaceful clerics even considered that they're subverting the most holy system, one where bad decisions coincide with the teaching power of pain? Okay. That's... You have my attention. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. It, it's good. <laughs> so... Peace domain clerics kind of see peace as being the central tenet of life itself. Nations and communities thrive when they are at peace, not when they are at war. Okay. That is the belief of a peace domain cleric. In order to maintain the peace, however, clerics of this domain are not afraid to do whatever it takes to stand up to those who will try to oppress peace or destroy peace. Okay. So they will do whatever it so takes. So they're the ends to the mean type. Exactly. We Very much war so. crimes. Yeah. So we they don't commit war crimes. Exactly. Okay. Fair. Whatever it takes to establish peace, we will do it. Their day-to-day activities see the overseeing of treaties or maybe uh, like in a court, right? Settling arguments or disputes. Yeah. Imagine them as like a court carrier. Like a cleric. Yeah. Or, or not. Yeah. Like a court style cleric, not a yeah. worshiping style yeah, cleric. Yeah. Right? Clerical. Yeah. I'm not a right. warrior. I'm a cleric. Exactly. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the battlefield, the war clerics of the peace domain will use their magic to assist those who are fighting for the side of peace. Okay. Okay. Right? They, they won't be the ones to pick the fight, but the moment that fight is picked, they are on full force to make sure it's ended as quickly as possible. Interesting. To restore the peace. Okay. So let's look at some of the subclass features that you get as a peace domain cleric. As all do, you get domain spells. So your first level spells, you get heroism and sanctuary. Fair. Third level spells you get are aid and warding bond. Fifth level spells you get access to are Beacon of Hope and Sending. Seventh level, Aura of Purity and Autoluke's Resilient Sphere. And at ninth level, you get Greater Restoration and Rary's Telepathic Bond. So I have a feeling there may be a couple spells in here that people are not super familiar with. Yeah. Um, let's look at Autoluke's Resilient Sphere. Please do. That's the one I wanted to know I about. I was like, what is the sphere? It sounds exciting. Tell yeah. me about it. Sounds like it hurts people. Yeah. So basically what it does is it encloses a creature of large size or smaller and any unwilling creature has to make a dexterity saving throw. Otherwise, they're enclosed for the duration. So they're basically imprisoning them. You won't keep the peace. I'm going to lock you away. Mm. Fair. Would um, that be considered a container? And can I put it, fill it with a 5x5 five five cube of water? No, because the container is bigger than that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they checked. It, it's not a Pokeball. It doesn't shrink down okay. to a size. Um, it is a, basically, the, it's just a sphere that is large enough to contain the creature. It does not give a size to it. Just a range, so. Yeah. So technically a medium creature. A uh, large creature or smaller. Okay. Pretty cool spell, but yeah, not one that you see a lot until... No. I think it may have actually been introduced in Tasha's. I should have checked that. I feel like it was, because I haven't heard of it until no, now. No, I haven't either. It sounds very Tasha's-esque. It, yeah. It does. Yeah. Anything jump out as not fitting in or seeming strange? I, it just seems very weak. Yeah. In my mind. Like, aid. Like, get yeah, out of here. it seems like get a very aid is underrated. I just I know we've talked about like we did a couple episodes yeah. on like healing spells. It it's not but, like, sexy, it's but not. it is utilitarian. At first level, the first ability you get is implement a piece, which gives you a proficiency in your choice of insight, performance, or persuasion. Okay, it lines up. Yeah. It's flavor, right? Yeah, it fits with. And what it's, gonna be, it's gonna be good for social. It, yeah, it'll be good for other situations, right? You're not getting a combat proficiency here, but you yeah. are getting. Some social proficiency. You also at first level get Emboldening Bond. Uh, this ability allows willing creatures who are friendly to each other to add D4 to any attack roll, ability check, or death save. This ability lasts 10 minutes and can be used once per round. Okay. Okay. And you can do that with all your party members? So up to your proficiency modifier. Okay, yeah. And they Standard. have to be within 30 
feet of each other to use this ability. Yes. Right? So if you step out of that 30 foot of each other, you're still bonded. You aren't going to lose that bond, but you can't add can't the, use the ability. Okay. can't add the modifier. Okay. But imagine once per round getting to add a D4 to any roll you want. It's not bad. That's pretty good. It's like basically blessed all the time. Yeah. 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 And yeah, you can use that up to your proficiency modifier times per day. That's not bad. So yeah. like at, at first level when you're starting, that's three people that get this and it you can do it three times a day. Like if you're in more than three combats at first level, not likely. So it's going to be pretty constant. And it's good for 10 minutes. Yeah. What combat's going to last 10 minutes? Especially at low levels, no, where this will have a bigger effect. Absolutely. Yeah, big deal. Uh, also at first, or sorry, those are the two first level. At second level, you get your channel divinity feature, which is Bomb of Peace. As a piece... Oh, sorry, Bomb? B-A-L-M. Bomb. Oh, Lip Bomb. I heard Bomb Yeah, I heard Bomb of Peace. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, bomb Didn't of Peace. Didn't we try that in the 1940s? <laughs> I, am, I am interested. Yeah. yeah. As a Peace Domain Cleric, your channel divinity feature allows you to freely disengage a foe and move up to your movement speed. So it's just, as an action, you get a disengage, okay. and you can move up to your, nothing too exciting there. Yeah. However, when you're moving, you aren't also aren't going to trigger any more yeah. attacks of opportunity. So even if you pass through somebody's space, and right, disengage just gives you the one freebie. This one, you can actually run through people's spaces. And here's why it's important that you get to do this. Every friendly creature you move within five feet of during this movement gets 2d6 plus your wisdom modifier worth of healing. What the fuck? Yeah. So what you, level is this? Second level. So you were talking earlier about a monk with the Twilight Domain? Fucking Put this right. on a monk. Put this yeah. on a tabaxi monk. Holy you are running across shit. the field. Oh, think about that. Tabaxi monk with your tabaxi run. Uh-huh. As well as hasted. Yep. And then you throw that so, on. You're so going, here, what, here is the only, feet? the only catch. It can only be applied to each character once. So you can't, like, run in circles around once somebody. In, day, in, like in, when, in, you, when you've cast No, no, once per, a long Per rest. action. Oh, per action. Right, but this is your channel divinity, so yeah. you're only going to have equal to your proficiency modifier, I believe, so this times level, per day. Yeah, so it's but that's bad. still three times a day. You can just run around, and anybody yeah. you get within five feet of, boom, here's your healing. That's dope. Also, that I was crazy? thinking that these ones aren't these ones are a little more squishy, right? These ones aren't built to be yes, battle correct. Battle, so like being able to move around is also yes, a really large mm -hmm. absolutely. For you. Okay, yeah, cool. I like All right, it. that's your second level ability. At sixth level, you get protective bond. So this is just like your emboldening bond. It goes. It actually has to be applied to the same people. But on top of now getting that D4, you also have the ability that if somebody else that you're bonded to takes damage and you're within 30 feet of them, you can teleport beside them and take that damage yourself. So okay. let's say somebody gets up in your wizard's face, starts mashing on them with a hammer, and your paladin's bonded to them, is within 30 feet of them, they can instantly teleport to their side and take that damage. So anyone you're bonded with can Correct. take damage for anyone else you're bonded yeah. with? Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. The way you did, oh, yeah. described it sounded like the weak, squishy cleric was going to jump and yeah, take it. No, no, no. Anybody that. could do yeah, that. Yeah. So I wasn't sure. I'm like, I'm not doing that as no, a no, cleric. The bond, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, the I'll bonded characters. after your hit. That's right. Yeah. yeah. No, the bonded characters. So yeah, if your paladin's okay. bonded to your wizard, you yeah. can go in Or your fighter or your barbarian. And will be based on their AC for that attack? Or no, this is the damage. That's right. someone else is So this is the event okay. of damage. So you're basically taking damage on someone else. Yeah, you're automatically damage. taking the damage. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Uh, potent spellcasting is your 8th level ability. Again, every cleric either gets potent spellcasting uh, spell or what was the one that you had for the twilight? Um, the, anyways, the melee yeah. attack. So in this case, you get to add your wisdom modifier to cantrip damage. Cool. Yeah. At 8th level, that's yeah. plus Whatever. 4 damage guaranteed. It's not nothing. And then your capstone at 17th level is expansive bond. So... 
the other two bonds that we had, right, emboldening and protective, the range was 30 feet. It is now doubled. You have 60 mm-hmm. feet of range. Okay. And that ability I said where you can step in and take the damage on someone else's behalf, mm-hmm. you are now resistant to that attack. Damage. The person that's the person that the takes damage. the damage. Whoa, that's okay. pretty cool. So yeah. again, now your barbarian doesn't care. This like, does read more. If your barbarian is raging, that's not going to help him. But everybody no. else, it's going to be really useful. Yeah. So when I said support, I really meant yeah, it's support. Near pure support. Right. Yeah. Um, when we look at the flavor of these guys, right, we get a lot of taste of like if we're drawing from real life. I this is more monkish to me. I think yeah. this would actually work really well as like a way for a monk. Yeah. Mm. Seems very meditative in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the spell, there's a few features here that obviously it has to be a cleric, but mm-hmm. the yeah. flavor of it is what we would kind of look at monks from today as being, right? Fair. Very much taking something for someone else, supporting others, helping promote the ways of peace. Right? Yeah. This is very much a, this is your religious. Yeah, monk. I can see that. Well, let's discuss it. So sure, yeah. let's roll some dice and ask some questions. Sounds good. I got a 14. I finally rolled higher than a 10. Four. 14. Oh, it's roll off, James. Nine. 14, 14 again. Oh, all right, James, does right. up. So you let us know what stats, race, background. What do you think actually synergizes well with this build? Half blind Cobalt thinks everyone's a dragon. That's why he helps. <laughs> just, just thinks he's a dragon. Thinks everyone else Rawr. is a dragon. So he's like, I'm going to help them because I'm a Cobalt that follows dragons. That's really cute. <laughs> I love that a lot. That's fantastic. <laughs> So the first thing I thought of when you started talking about this, I'm like, it just sounds like someone is trying to butter up everyone to be protected. Absolutely. I'm like, oh, that's a cobalt. Yeah. That's yeah. true. What about you, Ben? I mentioned Tabaxi earlier for that move speed. Because it just put like, if we're talking pure stats, min-max, Tabaxi's a good shout. Um, flying speed's not really going to help you here. I originally went that way. I thought, that's well, not really the benefit. And I thought about halflings. As well, far as flavor goes, I always love a halfling. And there's something about just the peaceful nature... Right, the wanting to help, the the hospitality. Right, halflings are nowhere no. deep in my heart. Makes them vengeful, evil creatures. I assume they're all are, out to get sorry, you. Sorry, but but what creatures in your lore aren't hateful and vengeful? That's a good point. Fair yeah, enough, yeah. Fair enough, fair yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, like in the lore, right? They're hosp- into hospitality. Yeah. What class better embodies that than a peace cleric? I guess so. I don't know. I. I read these and I would like to read it on the darker side, much mm. like James would. And I would love to do a drow as yes. one of these. Yes, mm. that'd be another good one. And it, they would be a pompous son of a bitch. Yeah, have to be. Yeah, because they would just be gliding. And again, they don't they don't fly. They like they just glide around. So yeah. when they're mm-hmm. run, their running speed is like a glide. Yeah, like it's it's like they're they're like smoothly flying over smoothly the ground. flying over everything, just pristine twenty four seven. And then if they help you out, it's a I'm doing this as a favor and you owe me. Yeah. Hmm. You owe me and you owe my god now. So I, I'm here to help you, but you now must pay penance to me. You're keeping the peace at a cost. You are keeping the peace at a cost. Absolutely. Peace ain't free. Yeah. Absolutely. Peace. I hate the word. Yeah. Peace and love and plants. <laughs> All right. In our opinion, what is a strength of the class when it comes to being able to role play? James, what do you think? I think this actually is heavily dependent on the type of game you're playing. If you're playing a, you're all power fantasy, all superheroes, I think this is the worst class you could pick. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you will feel gutted. You will not be able to do the damage your party does. You won't be able to even heal them the way they need yeah. to be healed in a game like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing a very roleplay heavy, a very cooperative heavy campaign, mm-hmm. 
It's probably one of the better classes. Yeah, like when everyone's really actually fulfilling their role Absolutely. and not just doing what they please. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like if you're going to go into this and like, I want to play D&D and fight some shit, yeah. this, is this is not, not for class. you. No. This is very much a support. Yeah. I am mm-hmm. here to be a part of the team. Yeah. This is a narrative here. heavy character type, in my opinion. Well spoken. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. All that kind Where of there's stuff, going to yeah. be a long story. There's going to be a lot of talking, sitting around... Mm-hmm. Figuring things yep. out, helping out the local person to help your campaign further along. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. What about yeah. you, Brad? I'm very much in that camp of these are going to be your face of the party. This is going to be your bard replacement. You don't want to play a bard, but you want to support. Your courtier, yeah. Yeah, look at, right, here's your cleric who can also support the party heavily. Um, I just saw a post the other day talking about a party that refused to fight anything. So their DM threw a unintelligent dragon at them. Mm-hmm. It was basically like a construct dragon because they're like he, they can't talk their way out of this thing. This yeah. thing just wants to. So they just used the spell to bestow intelligence on it. Yeah. and talked through it. Yeah, yeah. This is that character That's, to me. Yeah, right. At any cost, whatever it takes, we want to do this peacefully. If it breaks out into war, fine, so be it. We'll deal with it. But at any cost, we want to avoid we conflict. Keep the peace. Yeah. I don't know. I thought about what it would be like to um, add one of these into your campaign as a DM, as like an mm-hmm. like an NPC, mm-hmm. and it would be really good if you had a table of players that weren't necessarily getting along or characters. Mm-hmm. Play- but then again, players that get along, yeah, but, but the characters their don't. characters don't get along. Yeah. This would be a great introduction of just like this weird, peaceful son of a bitch that rocks up and is just like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize there was conflict here. Would you like assistance with that?" And then all of a sudden, now there's this NPC that's constantly like, "Hey." You should stop fighting. Yeah. We're all here for the same common goal. Like they're that last mm. moment no. of reason when you have two people yelling at each other from mm-hmm. across the table. Do you go stoner or do you go automaton? I heard... Is this person a robot who's like, we must keep the peace at all costs, monotone? Or is this, hey man, just love each other. So man. when you said stoner, I assumed you meant stoner, but I was just like, are we talking like yacht, like yacht, yeah. yeah. like stoner? Or like, what are we talking about? Yeah. Absolutely, that's how I would go. I play like the hippie. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely the hippie that just rocks up and it's just like, uh, I would do it now. like the corporate businessmen mm-hmm. that time is money. Oh, so you two arguing is slowing us down. Yeah, we can't solve this problem while you're running your mouth. Oh, so stop like running it. it. Let's get back to work, and you two can kill each other later. Yeah, can't off stop. my time. Flip oh. a coin, bitches. Yeah. Like. Take, how about take a warforge and have them be the prime directive? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. This is purely I'm programmed to make the, keep the peace. robotic side. Yeah, yeah. Right. Where I have to follow the rules of peace. I can't stray from it because I yeah. physically cannot. Yeah, I love that. All right, I'm sorry, otherwise, what are some uh, potential oversights or mechanical imbalances that you feel? As I said for the last one, it's the type of game you're playing is probably the biggest imbalance for this class. Mm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's either everything or nothing. Yeah. It's going to be the class for you. The nice thing about it, though, is you know if this class is for you or not. Like, you're going to take one look at the abilities yeah. here, and you're going to be like, no way I'm touching that. Or, yeah. oh, yeah, I want to play this. Yeah, it's kind of like the, when you read it, you're like, am I a charismatic person? Am I not? Do I want to do a lot of talking during this campaign? Do I not? Yeah. Is there going to be a lot of conflict that I'm going to be necessarily useful for? Yeah. And again, like I always look at the party dynamics where like a yeah, lot of that's these... that's a big one. And yeah. a lot of these keep like, yeah, like it depends on the people that you're playing with. Like mm-hmm. I know that if I sit down at a table with Dan, our characters cannot get along and we'll still have mm-hmm. a good time. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, and so, and it, at the end of the day, do you want to be that peacekeeper for your group? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to be. Yep. If you're playing you one of these, are. right? Yeah. So you have to be that person that's able to look at a conflict between two playing characters and be able to like 
infiltrate yourself in there somehow. But like mechanical wise, like I feel like this one had a better level 17 cap than yes. Twilight mm -hmm, did. Much so. I feel like But everything else in it, I felt like Twilight was fairly a little better. more front-loaded. This yeah. one had a little bit of a prize. This is a back this, yeah, this this is a I back actually, for getting yeah, there. Yeah. I prefer the channel of divinity for this guy though. That 2d6 plus your wisdom modifier healing, especially like yes, I said. Yes, it's good, but if we think like my it, concept of it is that the average cleric is a 30-foot walk speed. Yeah. Yeah. We're often more than 30 feet apart. Exactly. So those 2d6 healing aren't going to help anyone and, who isn't within those 30 And that's feet. why when I immediately looked at this, I instantly said, I'm going to multi-class this character. I'm yes. not going to play this character as 17th level. In fact, I'm probably playing a monk, maybe a Way of Mercy monk. Yeah. And I'm dipping two levels into this, maybe. Yeah. Like, you're either dipping two or six. It depends on whether or not you want to also have that protective bond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? If you want that, you need a six-level dip. Otherwise, two levels is plenty. Yeah, you don't need much to get the goods yeah. out of this. Yeah. I don't, you, don't, you don't really need much to get the goods out of a cleric. No, you Because they're so front-loaded. Yeah. yeah. I think this they're built especially... to be multi-classed, yeah. Yeah, they're built for the parties that no, no one wanted to play a support character. Mm -hmm. And now they need a cleric because everyone keeps dying. Yeah. <laughs> so here, take two levels, four levels of cleric, yeah. and you're good to, and you're go. good to go. Yeah. yeah. Or you, as again, as a DM, you introduce one to help keep your party alive. Yes. And But they only pop pop off their divinity in times of, like, dire need. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you're you're at the you're at the ends of your whims, and all of a sudden, this cleric, this cleric like, zips around and heals everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you're up for another round. Yeah, without right? movement, that ability is pretty useless. Yeah. Like, it's not useless, but it's not great. It's another... But the moment you put some movement on that, that is... Yeah. Over, like, we want to talk about power balance. This is one of those spells that it's either meh or yeah. it's holy crap. But again, it depends on the party. Because sometimes yeah. you'll have a party of fucking barbarians that are all in one goddamn spot. Yeah. Mm. Or you have the party where you've got a barbarian over here, a rogue over here, a fucking wizard yeah. in a tree. And you're like, okay, well, I don't have 300. Yeah, you yes. have to pick like, <laughs> who you save, especially when everyone's at death saves. Yeah, door. if everybody's failing so death saves. Everyone's right now. failing death saves, and I need to pick who is most likely to fail their role. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, who's got good dice today? Who's, yeah. dice who's got not? good dice? I'll leave them alone. Yeah. Yeah. You sit pretty. You enjoy your time. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and at Reddit at R It's a Mimic. You can send emails and questions to info at It's a Mimic. Mailbag questions there, questions for the other DMs about other stuff, bugging Adam about how we say things wrong. That's a big one. All to the info at It's a Mimic or Reddit. I'm the worst for saying things wrong. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I usually just push through and hope no one notices. Yeah. That's it. Just, you gotta pretend yeah. like you know what you're doing. You got take. That's the only time I'll ever say this. Take inspiration from Dan. <laughs> take inspiration. <laughs> Don't ever take inspiration from Dan. Act yeah, like you've been there before. Fucking love it. All right, what we're gonna do now, folks, is we're gonna do one final roll. And I want to hear some creative builds or some creative thoughts about how you would play yourselves one of these subclasses. I got thirteen. Twelve. Two. My dice are cool today. I'm glad we're not actually playing. Yay! I would do a variant human. Mm. With the with the one we just talked about. What the fuck was that? The peace domain. The peace domain. Yes. And the reason for that what is. What feet are you taking? <laughs> Mobile. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, you are. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> to be useful on the battlefield, obviously. Yeah, yeah. To take utilization some of their capabilities. That's how I would play that. However, how I would want to role play this and build this as a character is they would be a courtier. And the only mm -hmm. reason why I'm obsessed with courtiers is because I do play a lot of L5R where there is a large structure of there are courtiers that are not damaged characters and mm -hmm. there are characters that protect them that are damaged characters. 
So I would almost want to play a campaign where I'm partnered up with someone yeah. and this person's my Yojimbo and I'm here just to keep everybody alive and keep the peace in the party. Mm-hmm. And I, as a person, would love to role play a character like that because I have role played characters yeah. like that yeah. before. And I've now been accustomed to a lot of DMs that do play very political campaigns or campaigns that do utilize goddom and other like tiers of deities and all mm-hmm. those kinds of mm-hmm. things. Begging, like maybe my early 20s when I first started playing D&D and it was just dungeon crawlers, this would not have interested me. Yeah. But now that I'm a little bit more skilled in my role playing and I'm a little bit more skilled in like, and I've found groups of people that would enjoy having a character like this at the party, mm. it's something that I would love to dig into. Especially when you get to kind of pick and choose what god you are helping mm-hmm. and to keep the peace, right? Because yeah, in my yeah. mind, I always like to dig into the fact that Yes, clerics and yes, paladins are meant to be lawful good and they're these deities of divinity, but who's to say that your god isn't fucking team at? Yeah, yeah, what's good? Yeah, whose definition of good are you following? Who are we helping? It's just peace. Yeah, right? Yeah. And peace to Tiamat is this. So, and this is what I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to bestow. And like, even if I didn't have the ability to partner with another player and have myself like a Yojimbo that would protect me, Mm -hmm. I would find the strongest player at the table and be like, here's the barbarian. I'm going to stay close to this character. And then that actually brings in the ability for you to make friends with the people at your table Mm -hmm. because you realize your weaknesses and you're just like, okay, but to keep the peace and keep myself alive, Mm -hmm. I need to part myself with this person and make friends with them and keep the peace. And that's a good way. My strategy for being not a very strong player at a table has always been attach yourself to another stronger mm-hmm. player. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this fits right into that yeah, piece of advice as well. Yeah. So, but that's me. For me, very similar. I would love to do the piece for that aspect, but I don't have a party I've played with mm-hmm. that would it'd be fun to play with. Yeah. Mm. Most of them are either power gamers or fairly antagonistic to the party. So mm. yeah. it's not fun to play with them in a class like that. So like, if you got antagonistic, there's your piece, right? Well, yeah. you want to get? I, I put them six feet under, you, and they're too antagonistic. You, you antagonize the antagonizers so yeah. if you're the peace guy, right? Yeah, I do love the fact that you'd be a lawyer, though. Yeah, yeah, like oh, running absolutely. In, slapping your briefcase down, right? Objection. Yeah, hearsay. <laughs> hearsay. Objection. Leading. Like those are your abilities and your yeah. powers. You don't actually use spells. You just spell random lawyer bullshit. The big bad guy attacks. Objection. Yeah. <laughs> what? Hearsay, you can't do that. Some, what is it, Ace Attorney, whatever the yeah. game was? Yeah. <laughs> That'll just be your counter spell, right? Yeah. It's objection. Yeah. Objection is your counter spell. Oh my god. Awesome. Who would the god be if you were to be a lawyer? Any See, lawful god. It could be for either me, side. I find I think the peace cleric gets power from whatever god is supporting who you're giving peace to. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you're going into hell. Ares' area, mm-hmm. he's giving you power that day. You're with Athena next week, she's giving you power. Ooh, a rotating god. Yeah, every yeah, god oh, you help, they give you the power. I love so that. So you're not to one god, you are to peace. To and peace whatever is god yours. is solving that peace, you get that power. I would love it if you were eight, because technically because you'd be a lawyer in my yeah. mind. You would be for hire. Yeah, essentially yes. you are. So yeah. they would be like, like Ares would be like, oh, I heard that this guy was fucking dope. I gotta hire but this you're not guy. a senior lawyer. You're a junior yeah. getting sent out by your firm. You're an associate. Yeah, yeah your firm is like, <laughs> you oh, go over there. We're playing Acquisitions Incorporated. Oh my god. There's actually a lawyer so, option yeah. in Acquisitions yeah. Incorporated. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, this is all coming together. I love that so much. Yeah. How cute. Brad, what do you got for us? Awesome. Well, you guys both went peace, so I'm going to go Twilight just to mix it up. 
I'm gonna make a sparkly. No, I'm not gonna make a sparkly vampire. Uh, oh I, my god! Please, oh god! Now I just want to play like a Twilight, the Twilight clerics and all the sparkly. Your name's vampires. gonna be Bella. Yeah, 100. No, Dad, my hair brown. No, we we talked earlier about um, going the true neutral path. That's really the character that I want to build. Yeah. Right? This this character who's divided between two worlds. Right, the world of the light and the world of the dark. They're tr- not truly at home in either, mm-hmm. but they're also welcome in either because they draw from both. Yeah, they like b- walk in both planes. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. So walking in that in between space yeah i think there's a lot of opportunity for role play there wherever it comes because you're gonna be in conflict with both sides but you're also going to be they're gonna be looking for you to join them against the other side whatever it may be so i really like that concept i think it gives you a lot of opportunity to really kind of play with the character and you have to walk a tightrope but at the same time you have leniency I wonder if you, like, and this would have to be, like, a strong player, but I think mm-hmm. it would be really cool to implement that at twilight when you have that ability to walk both areas at one moment, like, that split second yep. of the day. Whatever god reaches out to you at that moment mm-hmm. depicts your personality the next day. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. You, you roll, like, a like D6, that. evens odds, depends what god is operating you that day. Yeah. So you either are a, so again, you're 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 neutral. You're yes. The only time you're neutral True is neutral. at twilight. Yeah. yeah. And, like, and that's when you're at your truest. That's when you're yourself. Yeah. You get a Jekyll and Hyde situation going on. What up. a great visual that would be, too. Like, to mm-hmm. be the players at your table watching that at Twilight, this person for a solid, like, five minutes. Yeah, and you sit there wondering who they're going. You don't, like, after you've gone a few days, you've seen them go back and forth. You're like, okay, I know what's going on here. What are we going to get? Yeah, and you have two different names, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I would do, like, that would be a really good, like, split personality kind mm-hmm. of thing to play out. But again, it would take a very strong player in my mm. mind to be yeah. able to pull that I would off. add the tattoo thing you were saying earlier but have <gasps> the tattoo change mm-hmm. when that personality changes. Ooh. So it goes from like sunbursts on the side of the face to a moon on the neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the party knows instantly oh, yeah. what Ooh, personality it is. Yeah, I, it I takes would, them time to realize I wouldn't mess with the party with that. Yeah. Like for the first little bit yeah it's going to be confusing to them. Yeah. But I would definitely let the party know, like, hey, you're going to get one or the other, and you're going to know who you've got. Yeah, so I'd give the party a visual marker, so they yeah. can just say, hey, what's... Instead of saying, oh, who are you or today, it's... Sun a a yin and yang tattoo on your neck that changes. Yeah, it rotates or shifts, yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. A lot of really good ideas this time, folks. Mm-hmm. Love that's all. That's why I love clerics. Like I said, there's so much flavor built into a cleric. Yeah. And like, and, but there's also so much room to build oh, your yeah. own, right? Clerics do a lot it gives of groundwork. Yeah, it gives you that strong starting point and then... Yeah, they give you a decent foundation to build a backstory off of. Mm-hmm. Whereas the others are like, build a backstory and then here's your powers for your backstory. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They backload it, most other classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that being said, what are some like final inspirations or thoughts that you guys might have before we kind of wrap up on clerics today? One big thought for me is... Both these, I'm not saying as a new player, don't use them, but they both feel more of an advanced player should mm-hmm. be tackling them with a, comp- a copacetic party. Yeah. A party that works well together, especially for the peace cleric. Mm-hmm. Or as a DM, very good use for making an NPC. Yes. yes. Your quest giver or yeah. your peace Or it would be good for the player that wants to check out a party, a game with your party. Mm-hmm. So one of your friends wants to play, get the, uh, the DM to make them a peace cleric. And throw them in there. They don't have to worry about their killing. The party just gets extra health. Yeah. yeah fair so. enough. What about you, Brad? Any final thoughts? Like I said, flavor. Yeah. Inject your clerics with flavor. Um, the class itself will define it. The subclass will define it. But there's so much room to play. Don't be afraid to. Yeah. I was going to say that the last thing that we, we talked about it a little bit earlier about the different kinds of gods. And there's hundreds of them that you can choose from. Don't be scared to like once you've chosen your domain. 
Start looking into the gods that would mm -hmm. run that domain. Yeah. Any deities that would run that domain. And do a little research on them. Do a little backstory on them. You might find a little bit of inspiration there mm -hmm. to kind of give your character more of a personality or like a little like trinket that they would carry that's very representative of that god. That's not necessarily your holy symbol, but is representative of that character, that god's backstory, mm -hmm. where they mm -hmm. came from, why they're a god, like all these things. And like, I always find that um, because they're such religiously spoken characters, why not talk about your god? I feel like as a cleric or as a paladin or someone who has a connection to a higher deity they don't talk about their deities enough no yeah, yeah. you should be spreading the name of your deity yeah and not in like a pretentious way but no. more in a like this has been my life study yeah mm. right like if this fucking barbarian's allowed to talk about how many swords he can carry in one day i kind of wanted the campfire to tell a story of my god and you become yeah. like a storyteller mm -hmm. and these because they are a little bit more charismatic and they read a little bit more like you would want to be able to role play more this cleric, I feel, would be one that would yeah. want to speak about their yeah. god and want to have those chats and be like, well, this is why at Twilight this happens. Let me tell yeah. you the story and the history of my my devotion. Mm -hmm. And then it gives them, it gives your players and it gives a little bit more of that, again, interpersonal characters at your table talking to each yeah. other. Yeah. It gives you a chance to eliminate that. Okay, we're taking a long rest. Everybody mark up your sheets. Yeah. Let's, hold on. Let's just take a minute and let's play some of this out. There's yeah. Some... I'm one of those big, like... And I've done this to a few DMs in my lifetime where we've like retconned a moment where they're like, well, we don't really have to role play this out. And I'm like, no, I would like to see this role played out. Yeah. Like, let's take a moment and really like dig into our acting skills because that's why some of us are here Yeah. is we want to be able to use our voice as for someone else for a half an hour. Mm -hmm. Let me fucking do that. Yeah. Right. And let me tell you the story of my God. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me tell you the story of why I'm this person today and why I'm that person tomorrow yeah. or let me tell you about my last court case that I did didn't yeah. fucking win it, but let me tell you about it, right? Like those kinds of things I think people forget about, especially when there's such role play heavy types of characters. Mm -hmm. If you want to play one, play it. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. As your DM, let them. Yeah, uh, one on that is know your table though, because if yeah. you're with a bunch of people who just want to fight, oh yeah, no one's gonna put up with you role no. playing no. for half an hour. Absolutely not. And you're not gonna have fun either. No, no, no one will have fun at that table that day. Yeah. So Party know your dynamics. audience. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So that's all for this discussion on clerics for now. We've got a lot more ground to cover with lots of other classes and subclasses. So subscribe and follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be looking into another class with more subclasses than you can count. And that would, that would be, you know, the wizard. Thanks for listening to another episode of the It's Minute podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsmimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get news of the podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word to everyone you know that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. Do you guys like playing clerics? No matter the subclass, have you played clerics? Yeah, I've played a lot of clerics. To me, my to me, clerics are what paladins are to Megan. Yeah. Okay. They are my go-to number one class if I can only play one class. Yeah, okay. paladins are my number one, but if yeah. I was playing another one, it would probably be cleric because they're very, they're almost synonymous sometimes. They're very sim can be very similar. And yeah. the other thing I love about clerics, one, you start with your domain at level one. Yeah. yeah. And also on top of that, the flavor's built in. 
Yeah. And there are so many domains you can build them in so many different ways. You could play Carol Eric's for 10 campaigns and not have the same character. Yeah, they're kind of like, they seem complicated at first when you start digging into them, but then it's like, oh, I've just had this character built with a personality already. You don't yeah, really have to put too much thought absolutely. into their backstories, which is nice. Yeah. How about you? Ever so often I played it, but it's not by any means my go-to class. Yeah. I'm not a, I don't like to play support classes. I will, especially when I'm playing with a bunch of new players. I'll yep. play a cleric to make sure everyone lives. I like how you call oh. a cleric a support class. Yeah. Every time I've played a paladin or a cleric, I've been like the fucking... Yes, the, that's how I play it the too. The frontline damage it, dealer. It is to be a support class. <laughs> no. It depends on what subclass you pick. Well, Fuck yeah, there's that. a few. Uh, that's where I go. Go forge, go war. Yeah. You got lots of options if you just want to mess somebody up. I just really like telling people what to do. Basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You have the theme. Do you have it memorized? I edit so many. Oh, yeah, you, you're an editor. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Sir. <laughs> that was impressive otherwise. Dedicated. Returns the even more clerics with. No! I'm so close. You, you know what? You got to that whole paragraph. We'll give you this one, no problem. So when we take this into consideration, again, we'll roll. Do we want to keep saying or do we want to roll again? You're the DM. Yeah, you're the same. Same. Oh, fun <laughs> <laughs> oh, for me. All right, we'll keep the same initiative because we're kind of in the same area. Give me those damn Adam puzzles. <laughs> Stupid Adam puzzles. The only Adam puzzle I ever had was a uh, potion of alchemist fire in the face. Great. Yeah. Nice. What a great puzzle that is. What a great puzzle that was. And then he killed our whole party. He gave us one that had a and countdown he was a on it and a button that reset the countdown. All you had to do was wait for the countdown to stop. Excellent. Could anybody wait? It took a few tries. It's like the Staples button. There's that like was the easy. third or fourth try where we're like, okay, we might as well just wait because this button has done nothing but reset that clock. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we waited it out, the door opened. My triple anxiety would have died that day. I was dying the whole time. I would have just said, fuck this. I'm, I, I'm mostly just impressed there wasn't somebody in your party who was just like, screw it. Hit it as many times as I can. It didn't. It didn't. It we we had people and you yeah. resets to the 30 seconds. Yep. Okay. All just right. keeps resetting. I'm just imagine it adds 30 seconds. No, it just 30. resets. You stand there for now for seven hours waiting for it to count yeah. down. Get my long Dude. rest in. Your entire session. Yeah, I love that. Anyways, commercial. <laughs> What's that Disney movie with the three birds and the sombreros? I don't know, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't tell you. It's <laughs> an old one. Probably not acceptable anymore. So Yeah, I, fair enough. <laughs> good chance. That's usually how that happens. So don't worry about it. Thanks for listening. Bye.